Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of Good Game, Nice Try. I'm one of your hosts, the lesser of the two, Aaron Blairt. I go by Blay sometimes. And with me, as always, my better half, Sonia Reed. Aw, that's nice to hear out loud. I know that I know that you hold it in a lot, but to, to have that out there recorded for the world to hear, that was nice. That was nice. Well, it says it here in writing on the I'm just re, I'm reading oh. what Jen wrote. Jen just wrote a thing. So thank Jen, oh. not me. Well, th- yeah. thanks, Jen. I really I appreciated it. I really need that. Pick me up. Um, Aaron, I am realizing now that I'm pretty sure that you and I uh, both had adventurous weekends, both had exciting weekends, but I I think that they were complete opposite. I I wanted to get as far away from any screen as I possibly could. I spent like minimal time on my phone. Uh, I was out in Joshua Tree. I just wanted to get the heck away, you know, for a minute. I just wanted yeah. to clear it out, get away. You sunk in pretty hard uh, into a into a game. What what did you get into? So I played a lot of Sifu. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this. I started Sifu because I did dinner to video game Sea Fruit Tart. So I made a fruit tart. I played a little Sifu and I was Wait, like- not not seafood? No, because I've given myself food poisoning four times, three with <laughs> seafood. I'm not- I, I'm You're not, not in it for the pun? For no, the com- no, Okay, no, no. all right. Whatever. I mean, I'm in it for the pun, but not for the throwing up. <laughs> so anyway- I play Sifu doing dinner in a video game. I play for like, let's say 20, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Hated it, hated it. I was like, wow, this strong. game sucks. It's too hard. It's like a bunch of moves. It's basically like Sifu, for those who don't know, is you are a martial arts master and you are, are avenging the death of your father. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's one of these loop games. It's a roguelite where you loop, loop, loops. You play until you die, and then you play until you die, and you get better each time. You unlock things that then permanently help you get better to help you get further in the game. Okay. okay. So I haven't I haven't seen like any gameplay of it whatsoever. Yeah. If you had to compare it to anything, I think the first two things, just hearing that, the first two things that I think of are like Ghost of Tsushima meets Hades. Is there a better descriptor or what would you compare it to? Well, kind of. I mean, it, very Hades-esque. And, and yeah, I mean, I guess it is kind of third person. I'd say more like, this is not going to be a good example, <laughs> but like almost more like GTA 5 in the way it looks okay. uh, mixed with Hades. Huh. Right? Kind of that. That's kind of the feeling. 
So I'm playing the game and, you know, like I'm not good at technical stuff. I'm not good at Bloodborne. We've gone over this. Dark Souls, all this shit. I'm not really good at fighting games either for the same reason, like up around a B, you know, like that. I can't do that. stuff. are you good at fighting games? I, I button mash. I just okay. button mash and pray. So that's all me, I got. <laughs> me too. A mash okay, and okay, pray. Okay. A, so this, a, I'm, I come from the church of mash and pray. Thank 100%. you. Yes. We are a 100%. mash and pray family in this that's house. Right. That's right. Um, that's right. So this game really touched on all of your strengths, I guess. Correct. But so, but people have been really raving about this game. So I'm like, okay, I, I think this game deserves a little more than, than the 10 minutes I put in. I Fair. start to, and I'm like, I'll just sit down and see what it's about. And to its credit, I got very sucked into Sifu. I, again, I played it, I think, 15 hours this weekend. Oh, my God. Very into it. And, like, I have discovered I with Dead Cells, was the first roguelite I was into, that these games for me are touch a rat, touching a lever part of my brain where I just get very into going over and over and over, right? Like a ro- roguelike is that for you? Roguelike, yep. Okay, Hades. okay. Hades. Yep. You, you die in Hades, boom, you're back. One more run. Just one, one more run. run. Let's that's go. it. Yeah, one more I feel run. It. Let's go. And that's what Sifu is. Now here, and, and it's a beautiful game. It really feels like there's a butt coming up. Yeah. There's a there's a, a soggy bottom at mm. the end of this tale. Mm. There's a point at which you you play in Sifu. You're playing over and over and over. You get to a point in the game where I don't think the game is exacting enough in the fighting to make it fun. I, I think, hmm. you know, like I, I started out button mashing, right? The house of, of mash and pray as, yes. as we are here. Rise up. And then you kind of just need to be good. You need to know moves. So then I, I spend like an hour and a half learning moves and combos. But the problem is when you're actually playing the game, the actual reactions are too loosey goosey to really give you that, in my experience, hmm. to really give you that edge. This just—it sounds like uh, well, I just—you know—I just have a high ping. I just have a low. Ugh, sorry, it's kind guys. Of that. It's, uh, you know what? You're right. It's exactly like having like weird lag, and I think mm-hmm. Hades does such a great job of when there's nine thousand things going on. You're not thinking, oh, I hope this works when I move around or fire. Yeah, that doesn't feel like something that should be a, a consideration. Like, you know, for example, like playing Ghost of Tsushima, I'm, again, I'm very much a button masher and I will just button mash and pray. Um, and knowing the moves and knowing what I need to do and then executing them, it felt satisfying. Yeah. Like that was satisfying gameplay. Yeah. But yeah, I can't imagine just kind of doing what you need to do and then hoping and praying and then being like, wow, I hope this works. I had so many moments and granted, this is like, so like I, I played for, you know, like eight, I'm on my, like my eighth hour of playing in a row. So obviously I'm a little out of my mind and I'm like at one of the bosses and I do this and I'm like, I do the thing and it, and it, and they kill me. And I was just screaming and throwing my controller so angrily. You know this what we the- need then? What I think, I think that what we all need and what you need in this, uh, in this game is just to put it in VR. Ah, I think we should just brilliant. put it in VR because then you know what? You just gotta get good. <laughs> you just gotta get good. It's all about your moves. Um, yeah. And you know what? I think this is something that we could pitch to our guest today. I think he's the perfect person that could answer this, that could maybe make it happen. 
Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll throw it at him and see what he thinks. But our guest today, uh, he is an awesome person. He's the Senior Director and Global Head of Hardware Products at HTC. He has been on the forefront of developing VR and making products like the Vive Focus, uh, the Vive Flow, the glasses, they're awesome. And we loved having a chance to be able to pick his brain about VR, which we've talked about so often, but actually having a chance to go in depth was really, really cool and get his thoughts on where he thinks the industry is headed. So here's our interview with Shen Yi. Shen Yi, I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on. Here on the podcast, we've talked about VR a lot. We're huge VR fans, um, but we really haven't had a good chance to dive in deep with somebody like yourself who comes from HTC, which is behind the Vive. And personally, uh, the Vive Pre back like early 2016, I've talked about this a lot. That was my very first experience with VR period. And it was mind blowing back then, but man, have we come far. <laughs> Yeah, um, VR was definitely, you know, it's something that we've been experimenting with for a very long period of time, even before it released, right? Um, you know, when I think when you tried it, it was still one of our dev kits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we worked very closely with Valve to get that out. We had dev kits out and we had events just to get the hype up and also get it into the hands of developers so we had the content out. You know, making a headset back then was a really hacky job. Right. Um, you know, I remember the dev kits that Valve had made. They said, you know, every sensor needed a specific, uh, a, like a specific ribbon cable. And they had bought up the entire world's supply of that ribbon cable. Um, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when we were experimenting with them, we were using smartphone displays. You know, back then there was no such thing as, you know, 90 hertz or 120 hertz displays. There were 60 hertz smartphone displays so you had to start working with manufacturers to be like hey can i clock these higher um and back then there were no lcds for phones that could live up to to that so we used oled um and we worked closely with samsung as well so yeah back then it was like how do we bodge all these things together to have a really cool experience and then you know that was the headset and then controllers uh we realized you know adding the ability to track your hands wasn't just additive, it was it was multiplicative, right? Like being able to have that immersion. So from you know, when I when I joined, I you know, before I joined, I, I had a demo. I was like, okay, I need this job. Like this is amazing. <laughs> was it the Vive Pre <laughs> that uh that got you roped in? Or it was before No, that? it wasn't even Vive Pre. It was what we called the Vive uh version zero. It was the one that we oh, had wow. for dev kits. It had like exposed sensors. Um it was really chunky. And it had like a yeah, a soft strap. You had to put headphones on. The controllers were wired. We hadn't gotten the uh the wireless setup yet. So um the demo involved like a belt system because oh, wow. the wires connected all the way back to the PC. It was a five <laughs> meter cable. So to get the weight off the user it went onto a belt system. So back then we didn't even let people take photos. Like we don't want people thinking this is the experience of VR. Uh, these will be wireless. Right, right. Um, and then, yeah, the first experience was, you know, I, I think you probably had the same experience. You, you went into an underwater experience with the blue and then you could stand on the side of the ship and you felt a sense of vertigo, right? Something about that experience triggered your lizard brain to be like, this might be fake, right? But you might also fall over. Um, so just be careful. <laughs> Yeah, and how how far we've come from watching that big whale 
you know, move past in VR. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, like, um, you know, back then we were very limited on even things like processing power, right? Um, mm-hmm. I remember we, you needed a 970, um, you know, that was the second best card you can get at the point in time to run it. Um, and now, you know, you can run it with a 2060 or 3060. Um, and now there is uh, mobile VR as well. So definitely gone to the point where, you know, we can, we have really cool panel panels, right? We have 5K headsets and we, you know, the, the chipset can run on a mobile platform as well. So yeah, VR has definitely evolved a lot and it still has a really long way to go as well to, you know, to reach this point where, we will envision everyone having one. They're like a pair of glasses, right? We know what the goal is. It's just that path to the goal is is a bit more murky, and we're trying to figure that out. Yeah, and with you know, I mean, VR has evolved immensely over the last. I mean, again, since I first picked it up in 2016 or so, and I'm guessing so has your role at HTC. Can you talk a little bit about from that moment of I need this job? to being the senior director and global head of hardware products? Yeah, it has been quite a ride. Um, I think the background is, you know, I've always been a fan of HTC. So um, when I was at university, I did chemistry, somewhat related. It was, you know, I had on on the side, I was already um, a massive technophile. Uh, I love my HTC phone. And I did Android development and I did blogging for some um, tech blogs as well on the side. So I started to get to know certain HTC people. But the problem is, you know, with these events, when you get in, um, it's immediately the keynote and then you have to have hands on and you're just super busy. Right. So people that I knew HTC, I couldn't even chat with. So, you know, I used to be invited anyway, but I would sneak in really early to talk to my HTC friends. And then one of them started getting really like, what's wrong with security? Why is he getting in? <laughs> um, that one of the events, he's like, we were Facebook friends. So he would give my Facebook profile picture to security. So he would come in and be like, don't let this guy in. I know he's going to sneak in. And I, and he was like, by the way, he's already here. <laughs> like he came in like an hour ago. <laughs> um, you're, you're right behind this. You're right behind the security yeah. guard. Like ah, you, have, you have a mustache now. Well, the thing is, yeah, like pe- people knew about it. So um, they would help me, right? They'll be like, you know, you, all you need is like a green wristband to get in today. It had HCC on. I was like, I have a green wristband, but it doesn't have HCC on. So I went in with like uh, two trays of coffee and a green-ish wristband <laughs> down my sleeve. And the security's like, uh, I need to see your wristband. I was like, yeah, it's just down here. It's like, yeah, he must be here. Like, who's crazy enough oh to buy God. that many coffees? So... Yeah. And, you know, towards the end of my university, you know, he was like, I bet you can't get into our our next event. Right. I was like, oh, okay. So you want to bet? Okay. What do I win? (laughs) Yeah. He was like, anything because you're not getting in. So I was like, okay. So what are the ground rules? Like, look, as long as you have photographic evidence that you got in um, and you, you know, even if you emailed it to me or texted to me beforehand, that's enough. Right. And I was like, okay, easy. So I would show up at the venue. And then I dressed super smart that day, hoping I could like, you know, pretend to be an HTC employee. And just so happens this group of um, Taiwanese um, employees were walking in and I just followed them and I managed to get in, get a wristband. I didn't go in because I knew he had given my photo to everyone. Right. But if I took the photo of the wristbands, like I could have got in, Um, that was enough, but he didn't really check his emails. So when he, when I walked in as um, press, he was basically like, hi, you didn't get in. I was like, hi, you haven't checked your email. <laughs> uh, 
And then he was like, that could be any wristband. That's And then great. he compared the numbers on them. He's like, oh, crap. Oh, my okay. God. Jesus. Yeah. So, I made it. Um, yeah. And then he, um, yeah, he became my boss eventually. But um, he also never made another bet with me for that specific reason. <laughs> fair. But he, fair. he was like, well, he's petty enough that he'll get anything done if he's challenged. So maybe we can have him. So he was like, I'll, you know, I'll give you an interview. I was like, yeah, sure. Because I was really interested in doing tech anyway. And then he was like, oh, we're looking at this position um, and it's to do with VR. Do you want to come in? I was like, uh, he's like, do you have any experience with games? Like, I mean, I play computer games. Like, is that enough of an experience? Like, yeah, like, you know, we need someone like that right now. And he, and then I had this demo and blew my mind. I was like, yeah, I, I want this job. Um, and this is I it. became <laughs> the first official hire in Europe for Vive. Wow. So uh, my first role in essence, was coming in, um, you know, learning more about the device. They needed someone techie. So, um, you know, I I basically did demos for every single person that was in the HTC office, right? Um, it's like 100 plus people. And when you consider, you know, every demo is like 20 to 30 minutes long. It was a very, it was a long time. It's a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. So I had all of these random jobs. You know, I did marketing until uh, the marketing team took some of that stuff over uh, some other stuff I did, you know, I, you know, I always did the product side, right. Looking after some of the commercialization things, um, uh, you know, training people on how to use the product, uh, training our marketing team and PR team on all the, you know, key selling points of the product. You know, I, I constantly look after our product and also product marketing, right. So that's, you know, the story telling aspect of our products, um, the strategy side. And then I started getting involved in, um, product development. So on, I would go on trips to our headquarters in Taipei and, you know, we would talk about, you know, what we see customers using their headsets for. Um, you know, we've seen these challenges in terms of breakages and, you know, how can we improve these for future products? And actually we would do, you know, secret, um, fixes, uh, along the headset. We do that all the time. Um, so, you know, our products are always constantly improving. You know, last year we launched more products than we've ever launched in one year and, you know, um, excited about the future as well. So that's kind of a brief summary of my time at HTC. Yeah, many, many hats. Yes. Just a few, just a couple of hats. I've worn less hats, just the hats have gotten bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, yeah, I really liked what you said about, uh, you know, you've had a chance to be able to focus on the story of your products. And, um, you know, what people can use them for, because that's the one thing that I love about VR is there's so many different usages and things that people don't even think about. You know, one of your more recent products, the, the, the Focus, or sorry, uh, the Flow, uh, which is incredible. Uh, you know, I've seen your talk at CES where, you know, you mentioned that it's kind of used for mindfulness. You can use it for meditation. Um, and then with the focus, you can use it for, you know, gaming. There's so many different ways that you can use VR, which I think is really exciting. Aaron is attending birthday parties in VR. Yeah. I And I have to say, you know, one thing I, you know, one thing that really, I was never, I had the, uh, you know, the, the, the vibe, uh, with, you know, the cord in the back and all that stuff. And, you know, early on you could see immediately how, like the first time I used it, I was in it for like four hours or something crazy. Right. And I took it off. And the first thing I thought when I was done, I was like, wow, <laughs> real life is just to sit. This is all a giant simulation, you know, because, 
what really struck me was the the being able to move around in a space is so so interesting and such a you could just say it and it, and it feels small but it's such a powerful mm-hmm. feeling when you're in if you've never done virtual reality before and you know obviously like when when we're talking about virtual reality everyone wants to start talking about oh you know games and oh uh, now I'm in a haunted house or whatever you know I'm playing Resident Evil 7 on PSVR or you know I'm playing Beat Saber or whatever but you know something I really love is the flow and is this idea you know this product of it's glasses you're putting on and you're just experiencing other kinds of things, not just games. I mean, the Flow is such a cool product, and I'm so excited. Uh, and I want to talk also about, you know, lowering the bar so more people can get into VR. Could you explain a little bit about the Flow and, you know, kind of the mission statement, how you guys kind of first came up with that idea to do that kind of a product? The key thing that we were looking at for something like the Flow, it's something we've experimented for a while. You know, we released... We released um, uh, renders of this concept even a year before and you know the form factor is key mm-hmm. right so when it comes to vr design um, as i said you know we want to build something that's you know compact a pair of glasses but the the balance of vr design is balancing the form factor and then the performance right and when i mean form factor i mean things like ergonomics the weights the size um you know Something like this is uh, something like 80% smaller than a traditional headset. So, you know, I can put this in my bag and it won't take up the entire space. And, you know, that was one of the goals. And then two, it's about how do we maintain performance, right? Performance, uh, when you... Performance means a lot of things. One, of course, there's the chipset performance, um, the heat dissipation, the battery that's needed. When you... Traditional lenses, when you need a high field of view, uh, really needs... Uh, it kind of scales with the panel. That's why, like, when you see, like, the ultra high field of view headsets, they make you look like a hammerhead shark, right? Um, (laughs) So, you know, there was innovation in the way these lenses are designed. They're, like, they use half mirrors and polarizers and loads of random crazy reflections to give you a, you know, decent field of view with a tiny uh, panel. And then, you know, we have diopters, you know, similar to, like, a camera where if you're short-sighted, you don't have to wear glasses anymore, and then things like tracking, right? Like, you know, having the tracking built into these cameras and then, you know, how we hid them under the glass um, to, you know. So so cool. A lot of those had to be um, done first. And then, you know, the industrial design team did a great job, right? They were like, we want these to look kind of like ski goggles. And yeah, uh, they managed to hide everything. And also the mag- the magnetic, uh, how the block, the yeah. the mm-hmm. hood is magnetic and kind of snaps yeah. in. Yeah, so it's cool. something that like, we've, we've put into more headsets. Uh, even before COVID, right? We saw that there was a need for this. Um, people wanted to swap them out really easily. So that was something that we put in as well. And yeah, so we had this concept and we were like, okay, um, what are the use cases, right? Like, you know, some of the performance in this form factor at least last year, you know, hasn't gone to the point where, you know, it's a very pro- like active gaming device. But, you know, we also want to go beyond gaming, right? Gaming is fantastic. You know, we have headsets that are specifically for gaming, but we want to go beyond gaming. So one of the things we were thinking, especially because of COVID was, you know, everyone's at home, right? And so we're thinking like, you know, is this something that we can improve in terms of mindfulness? And one of the key pillars that our CEO, you know, has has always conceived when it comes to 
our Vive brand is that, yes, we're fan- we're amazing at technology. We're great at innovation. It's in our DNA. It's just what we do every day. Um, but, you know, for VR, we have to make sure humanity comes first, right? So humanity takes the mm-hmm. front seat, is the driving seat, and then technology sits in the back seat. Right. So, you know, that kind of aligns with our philosophy of that. So with something like this, Mindfulness and mental well-being means different things across different continents, right? In some somewhere like the US, right, you guys, you know, are more transparent and open and more receptive when it comes to uh, mental well-being, seeing therapists. And then, you know, it also means different things for other people. So, you know, in other places, it could just be being able to sit down and have a private session, right? You might live in a tiny apartment. You just want a private session. Um, You might be on a plane, right? It's very claustrophobic for certain people. And with this, you can have a 300 plus inch screen. Wow. Bigger than if you, if I put all the screens on the plane together, probably wouldn't even match that. So, you know, those were a lot of our goals. So, you know, from then we started going, okay, how do we get some of that content on? So we, you know, but then in terms of the viewing side, you know, how do we mirror your phone onto it? Right. So being able to watch things like Disney Plus, which is protected content, how do we get past those barriers legally? So being able to mirror those. Yeah. And then, you know, we, one of the things that we did was we took the battery out of the device. There's a tiny battery just for performance reasons, but you know, and a lot of uh, times, if you're on a plane, right, you're going to wear this for you know several hours. All you need is a power socket. So we really, you know, this device isn't about performance. It's about a balance of form factor and performance. And that performance also means that we set like a budget on how much power this can draw. So this can be powered off like a USB 3.0 port. You know, ones, you know, the power ports that you find on a plane, right? Whereas you know, one of our, you know, our Focus Three, which is you know the best headset you can buy. Um, requires a lot more power than that. So, you know, there were a lot of considerations in that as well. Um, and then, you know, we also didn't want to deal with controllers. Um, so we were thinking, if you forget your controller, you forget to charge your controller, your headset becomes useless, right? So we didn't want that. If, if you ever go out, there are three things you always carry with you. Your phone, your keys, your wallet, right? Your wallet's even phasing out because you have your phone now. So, mm-hmm. but you always have your phone. So we... Um, decided, okay, let's use our phone as the controller. And then we're also working on hand tracking so that you, you don't even need your phone eventually. You can just use your hands to, because it's light interactions, right? And because we achieved this form factor, we also, you know, this design is very new. It's, you know, this glasses style design. And one of the key reasons is you have to achieve a sub 200 gram weight um, to really have this comfortable. Otherwise, it just it pull, it puts too much pressure here. I was going to say, it looks really light. So it's 189 grams. So if you have an iPhone Pro, uh, your phone is heavier than this. So when I drop my phone on my face, this, <laughs> yes. will, this will hurt less if I drop it from a height on my face. Yeah, exactly. And actually speaking of that, you know, the way, because we designed it this way, you can lie down with this. Traditional headsets, yeah, that's because they go to the back, you can't lie down. Right. Mm-hmm. That and and you know what's so funny is that was one of the first things I thought is oh I can use this laying down like a hundred percent because it doesn't wrap around the whole head it's just glasses that you're putting That's on so nice. which is great yes. I mean I have to say like it, it really is to me I've, I I would love to know your thoughts like for me as as a consumer I kind of feel like look we're there technology wise we're there content wise you know like we're not there in terms of lifestyle like to get I feel like to get the the larger population to adopt. VR, it's all about making it easy and expanding beyond, you know, hardcore gaming. I mean, you know, like, and, and this does that in 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 all ways. It's it's very light. You could take it with you. It feels intuitive. 
Um, you know, you're, you're using things like your phone, which you already know how to use versus, oh, I've got these controllers. How do I do it? Oh, the thumb does this and all this other stuff. And then being able to just use it on a plane, use it in my bed, mm -hmm. use it, you know, I can just put it on and the barrier is so much lower rather than, you know, back in the day. Now I'm Get putting this giant thing on. Now I'm connecting it to my PC. Now I'm setting up base state, you know, all this other stuff. It's just like, oh yeah, I want to do a thing. Bloink. Now I'm in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. That's That was one of the key goals. And, you know, because it's such a new device, our user research team had to do a lot of user testing um, to figure out exactly <laughs> right. what we needed to do. Like, you know, how do we cast things? You know, one of the key things is, yeah. I, I don't know if you ever tried casting, you know, before AirPlay and everything, right? Your your TV already supported mirroring, but that casting experience is like, you know, your TV will give you the instructions, but it's outdated. You're going to have to go oh to Google. God. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. actually, so we have an app, right? And because we tested it across I, I think, you know, it's close to a hundred different phones. Um, wow. and, you know, our engineers basically went through every single one and figured out the processes for doing that. So, wow. you know, for almost all of them, it would be able to automate that process, right? So when we say we're going to trigger that connection, one click, it will automatically, like, it knows it's a Samsung phone and it'll automatically open that, sh their special smart view and then be able to share with one click. So we worked a lot when it came to user experience because for us, we're like, this target audience, it has to be a good user experience. It has to be right. easy, right? We have yes. to reduce that friction. We still think we have a long way to go, but you know, I think we've made a really good progress with something like the flow. But th there's a lot of stuff that we can still do with this. You know, as you know, displays get better, as lenses get better, as you know, processing gets better, we're going to be able to improve the experience on this. You know, it, I, I think a lot of people's initial reaction was, "Wow, it is actually really small." Um, mm -hmm. and you know, it's definitely something we'll continue doing. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places. Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. We started out by saying, by you mentioning, you guys are putting humanity first. And I think mm -hmm. that's kind of where it all, again, comes full circle is like, we've got all the tech in the world, but by putting humanity first, it's like, we don't need all that tech. We could use less tech by making it feel more human and more natural, which is cool. Yeah, exactly. You know, we've done, you know, we've helped and done projects um, you know, we've had uh, a lot of re rehabilitation stuff um, yeah. that we've done. So, you know, that's been amazing. You know, people like stroke re rehabilitation, right? Being able to gamify wow. it and people be able to take it home instead of having to come into a hospital to do stuff like that. Um, you know, we've, yeah, we've helped stuff with like, you know, Make-A-Wish Foundation where yeah. we were able to send a kid to space, right? Amazing. There's a ton oh. of really cool stuff we can do with it. 
So rehab has been you know a, a really cool use case and really impactful. But also, you know, even even in terms of the enterprise space, right? Um, you know, we we have a really cool case study where Bell helicopters they they make helicopters. Um, but you know, they, they were telling us like every time they do a new completely brand new helicopter, it takes five to seven years. You know, when they're not just using a previous base, right? Um, they are completely redesigning it, and then you know they have to fab everything out, and then get pilot feedback, and then change little bits. But by using VR in that design process, they reduced that entirety to six months. Wow! wow. Oh my yeah. god, that's incredible, that's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and where where else do you see like in society as VR becomes more prevalent? Where like, and that's a perfect example, and and as well as re- rehabilitation. Where do you see kind of VR? coming into society in ways where it can kind of fill in the gaps or make things easier that we wouldn't normally expect? So um, other things that we're seeing right now um, are things, especially in the training sector, right? Um, So we have um, a company called Flame that's a partner of us, and they do uh, firefighter training. Right. It's one of those things where, you know, they spend a ton of money doing these simulation things and they can be really dangerous. Right. So what they ended up doing is using VR and our tracked accessories and a heated jacket that syncs with everything. And then, you know, they can do things like smell vision as well if they wanted to. And they can really trigger the emotional response of people. Right. You can do a VR thing, but when you add smoke, when you add that smell, when you add that heat, you get to learn about yourself, uh, your own emotions and how to control them. So those can actually save lives, right? And wow. I've seen things like social interaction training um, as well for certain people. And, you know, training is a fantastic use case, but then also fitness, right? So mm-hmm. um, I lost the region of, you know, 30 pounds last year. Um, wow. Well, I got fat during the first few months of lockdown <laughs> and then decided I should lose weight. And I was basically using um, Ring Fit uh, and also VR. And so, you know, I was using things like Beat Saber and Pistol Whip, yeah. right? Beat Saber is oh, great yeah. for arms and oh, Pistol so Whip, as I say, gives you pistol hips. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Tell me that's their official slogan. <laughs> uh, I, I wish I've been pushing it to them. Uh <laughs> So yeah, like, you know, through that over a period of four months, I was able to lose a ton of weight. And so I think fitness can be fantastic as well. And then, you know, as I said, your mental wellness, just everyone has their own ways of chilling out, right? And I want to make sure that, you know, um, VR can be a really good tool for that. We have to start thinking ahead, right? So, you know, what are the next things that we want to do? What are the technologies in two years' time, not only from a hardware perspective, which we're really good at, but, you know, what can we do from our software? What can we do from, you know, an infrastructure, right? What will 5G look like? You know, one of the things I've been talking to our engineers is like, you know, when we have eye tracking, one of the key things I want to do is, you know, I want to add accessibility features. I want, you know, I want to make accessibility features a, a priority, you know, especially when headsets are being used for marketing. You know, we, we've seen... People that might come in wheelchairs may see people that might not be able to use their fingers. You know, being able to use their eyes to emulate a controller is also really important. Yes. Um, and then I want, you know, that is 
in itself a product as well. Um, you know, they might, they're not going to be for everyone, right? When was the last mm-hmm. time most of us go into accessibility settings? But there are people that genuinely need it. So uh, again, you know, thinking about humanity first, that's what we want to do. Where do you think, where would you like to see uh, the, the uh, virtual reality head towards? Yeah, like I think gaming is always going to grow right um you know people with a gaming pc are always gonna it's they want that immersion but then how do we get it get more into people's hands it's not just about costs right having the infrastructure there as well having the content right you know we we're starting to see really amazing content you know whether it's beat saber or anything else that you know are just you know are getting more and more investment it's a chicken and egg thing so once you have more users you have more um, you have more content and more investment in the content. And also it helps, you know, mass produce some of the components that are needed. So, you know, headsets can also get cheaper, right? And then I think one of the key things that we're doing is, you know, there's a thing called OpenXR, which is, you know, being able to have this central thing where developers can develop towards that will run on your know, headsets that support it, which means that, you know, you don't have to develop for this specific headset and then do another build for this one and then another build for this one. You can do one build that can run across all of them. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, a lot of the standards when it comes to VR, it's still very early. And then with the advent of, you know, the metaverse, you know, there'll need to be more interoperability there as well. It's it's funny when people say, you know, we want to build our own metaverse, right? It's 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 analogous to someone saying, you know, I want to build my own internet, right? It it sounds <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, we the internet came from this time where it was led by academics and universities, right? But now it's, you know, metaverse is led by, you know, giant corporations. So how do we make sure that we can still build those standards and make sure it's open for everyone to use, right? You know, um, right now we're in like a state, the analogy I would use is imagine going to every website and needing a different browser for it, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the state of, um, you know, the metaverse now. And we want to make sure that there are, you know, interoperability and standards that uh, means that everything can work together seamlessly and you know we want to reduce the number of like board gardens and yeah again you know i think the we're so at the forefront of technology i think a lot of us are also just learning from one another mm-hmm. well look i i hate to say we're almost out of time uh this has been a, an incredible conversation um but you know we love to end every interview with asking our guests best game and worst game in your case I, I, I we would love to know your your favorite vr either game or experience and your least favorite so like could be one that you hate could be very disappointing but let's start low and we'll end high so what to you in your life has been kind of the, the your your least favorite vr either game or experience oh i dislike horror I, I like the concept. <laughs> That's my favorite. Oh, no. Yeah. I went into paranormal activity. So we, we have a rule. Ugh. You don't touch people in VR unless you have permission, right? You also stay out of their tracking space because if they punch you, it's your own fault because they can't see you. <laughs> um, and I remember the first time I went to paranormal activity, someone grabbed my leg. No. And, oh, yeah. Absolutely oh. not. And then they lost theirs was yeah, the deal, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh yeah that was scary so i don't like horror because uh it's too immersive for me um yeah i would say it's probably that okay i feel you oh i have to say by the way on that note when resident evil 7 first came out uh i had people in the conan office everyone come in and try it because a lot of people hadn't tried vr 
And there's a moment where it's very, it's really freaky. You get your arm cut off, your hand cut off, and everyone to a T screamed their brains out. It was insane. Oh my God, I've never had so much fun in my life. Um, and yeah, so I, I get your horror thing. So, okay, so best, best uh, VR experience, your favorite VR experience. My favorite VR experience. That's an interesting one. I guess if you look at the VR game I probably played the most on my Steam account, it's probably Beat Saber, but mainly because I use a fitness. Mm. It's also because uh, you have to wave around so much. It's really good for testing tracking as well when we have, we do new tracking oh, technologies. Smart. Nice. But one thing, I guess, I don't know, I, I would probably rank Pistol Whip higher than that because it's really good for hand-eye coordination. I don't ever plan on shooting a real gun, but you know, it's good for hand-eye coordination. Uh, you have to play to the beat. Uh, the music is fantastic. I, I love mu music games. So I guess the other one recently that I play that's really good is Ragnarok, where, you know, Guitar Hero, where you had like little uh, circles coming towards you. So instead of pressing buttons, it's um, drums. So you have to hit the drums. Wow. And that's super fun as well. So I love that's music great. games. I've I played music games since I've grown up. So, uh, yeah. Ragnarok. That's awesome. I got to check that out. That sounds amazing. Solid yeah. choices. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much again uh, for coming. This has been, you know, we've talked, Sonny and I have talked so much about VR over the past, uh, you know, few years. And it was a, a real joy to have somebody on who is at literally the tip of the spear, the cutting edge of bringing us into this new virtual world. So thank you so much. That was uh, fascinating. Thank you for having me on. I feel a little smarter, Sonia. What do you think? Do you think we're smarter? I, I think at least one of us. At least one of us is a little bit smarter after that. I feel like it's not me. <laughs> we'll be right back. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Okay, we're back. And for those of you following along, which should be everyone, why would you skip an episode? We have been doing a really fun and exciting and interactive treat called Game Book Club, where we, the three of us, the golden three, as we call ourselves, humbly, have been playing with you a game these past few weeks. And that game was Firewatch. And this is the final installment of Game Book Club, where, listen, Spoiler alert, we're going to talk about the whole game, including the end. Uh, so, ladies, mm -hmm. the, the, the watching is complete. Mm -hmm. The fire watch is over. Uh, what did you guys think? Jen, what, what were your thoughts in beating Firewatch? I really enjoyed it. It was not what I was expecting going into it at all. And I just liked how it made me question my own sanity a lot of the time. And like thinking, how, 
I was certain I would know how it would end and that he would be the one who actually has dementia and stuff like that. And the fact that it, after all of it, ends so simply, I didn't know how to feel about it. But the more I think about it, the more I like it. Mm-hmm. I feel I I feel like I had a very similar experience. I loved it. It was very isolating. It was very lonely. Yes. And I was just so impressed at what they were able to do with so little. And yeah, I, I kept feeling like I had an idea of where it was going. And I was like punched in the feels right off the, off the beginning. So to have it end with something where uh, I'll start with the negative where it felt like my my choices didn't matter. Like no matter Ooh, yeah. what I did, it felt like it would have ended up the same way. But honestly, I think it kind of played to the strengths of it, of it, of it ending so simply and of it ending um, where it was just like his whole reason why he was out there was just trying to run away from his problems. And now he has to go and face his fucking problems finally. And that's it. And it's just a harsh realism. <laughs> um and that's, it felt anticlimactic, but I do feel like that was the point that it wasn't this like big conspiracy. Cause they were like, Oh, like what's this antenna? Oh my God. Someone's following us. Well, like what's this conspiracy here? And there really wasn't, it was, there wasn't at all. It wasn't this big, like fantasy story. It wasn't this thing that he, you know, anything that he's trying to make to like escape his problems. Yeah. It's just like this. It's just life. That's a great take. And, um, Man, I wish that you had said that to me before I'd finished the game because <laughs> I was super let down by the ending. I thought it was mm-hmm. it was simple. I, and, you know, we were talking about last week, like, how are they going to stick the landing? You know, like, you don't mm-hmm. really see anyone in this game. You see that person on the... But I was like, for it's going to be hard to wrap this up without mm-hmm. seeing somebody. And they did wrap it up without you seeing anybody. Mm-hmm. Um... I think that I I guess I yeah I mean I now that you're saying that I agree it was nice to kind of I guess have a simple ending but man I don't know like I just feel like there were moments of like true creepiness in there I don't necessarily need, I didn't necessarily need like a it's all a dream ending or like a dementia ending I didn't need that necessarily mm-hmm. but I think that I thought that kind of the misdirect is kind of was kind of the bigger tale. So I was pretty let down. I, I do think it was a great story. I think like, um, again, so I'm such a fucking armchair quarterback. Like I should have done this. Like, it's so hard to make a game. There's so much great about this game. Music, <laughs> graphics, uh, uh, controls are great. You know, voice acting is great. So much great about this game. Who am I to be a little asshole complaining about the end? And one thing I will say about the end, as simple as it was, that I don't think I experienced in a lot of video games, the whole thing was a slow burn. And the last, <laughs> like, tw- 20... See what I did there? <laughs> the, well the last 20 minutes, like, even just, like, when the fire is getting bigger and, like, you're trying to race to the helicopter and Delilah's like, hey, it's here, we're leaving, come on. I, playing that, the urgency, my heart rate was up. I was like sprinting through. I got lost and I was like, oh no, I'm going the wrong way. But that, like, I think it did a good job of the climax in that sense. Oh yeah. I felt so honestly, and I had the biggest thought of like, she's just going to tell them that like I'm staying or tell them like something like she's been, it felt like I wasn't, I don't know, like maybe she could have been lying about stuff this whole time. Like who has an, and she could have just been like, oh yeah, he's going to get the next one or something like that. And I thought she was just going to like leave me there. And that was that. And I'm like, oh my God, 
Oh, shit, but... Well, also the fact that she was like, I went ahead, sorry. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, come on. Especially (laughs) because the game felt like it was pushing you to, like, flirt with her the whole time. Yes, yes. You know, but one thing I thought was really cool, did you notice that um, when you finally go to Delilah's post, um, she has the drawing of you? Yes. And I didn't know that depending on how you describe yourself in that one conversation, the drawing changes. That's cool. That's cool. I thought that was cool. Awesome. That was kind of cute. Yeah. I mean, I think like for me, I just don't think the story resolved itself. Like, I I think like if it's about this guy who's kind of running away from his wife and dimension, his life, what did it really do? What did we learn? What did he learn? Like, I don't know. I, I like he that's kinda, that he can't run from his problems. Yeah, now he's now he's got to deal with it. Kind of. I mean, like, did he learn that he? So there's nothing to say. Like he's like, all right, he's just not going to go do something else and ignore it. You know, I don't know. I don't know that he really learned the lesson there. Or we learned the lesson. Are we taking any knowledge back? What would that lesson be? What's well, kind of what Sonia said already of just like building things up in your mind and creating scenarios that aren't actually there purely as a form of escapism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. then realizing like, okay, well, not everything has to be this conspiracy or sure. has to means have a deeper meaning to it. And the whole game was me looking for deeper meanings to everything. Me and mm-hmm. humans, we do that. And sometimes that's silly and we don't need to do that. So I feel like maybe that was the lesson. Yeah, I felt it. I felt it in his voice at the end when they were talking about like, what's next and he like asks you know depending on what you choose like you ask her to go to boulder you you know you choose different things Mm -hmm. but then he's like yeah well what's you know what's next for me uh and i think delilah says something about like yeah well you have to figure out like what's next and he's just like yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) another firewatch post somewhere else so i don't have to go back home yeah Yeah. it seems like it's kind of hitting him that like oh shit i just i was able to and you know in the in the story in the very beginning too, when it's kind of planting a lot of seeds, like it plants a lot of seeds that like drinking was like a pretty big problem for him. Like every yeah. time you know he meets his uh, he meets uh, you know his girl at a bar uh, when they go out for drinks with friends, and then it's like when there's problems, it's like now you're drinking alone, and it se- it seemed like that was a you know a big thing. So trying to escape from the problems with uh, with his wife, trying to escape from alcoholism, trying to just like escape shit and then now after 70 whatever days he's like well shit <laughs> yeah um i wanted to give a shout out uh we got a great tweet from uh at cosmo crisis who said firewatch uh now earlier i had said i had kind of been angry that when you open the map because i have to get angry at every little thing when yeah. you open the map <laughs> it doesn't tell you which way your character is facing and i said that was hella annoying. And at Cosmo Crisis on Twitter said, um, there's no arrow on the map, you idiot, my insertion, because the <laughs> dev wanted you to use the compass. Paper maps shouldn't show GPS data either. Now that's true. And that's I, a good point. I love that. Didn't think of that. And I'm a moron. So I apologize <laughs> for that. And that was one of my favorite mechanics of the whole game of just being forced to use the compass. Right. Uh, yeah. And like, again, I've, I've said it a handful of times. I'm just so, so, I'm a big dummy with navigation. That was the most painful. I want to run with the map. I don't want to, I literally need to stop every like 10 feet and look at the map. So yeah. it's painful for me. Well, I'll, you know what? So maybe an arrow 
on the paper map would have been a good idea. Just a thought. Now I just want to go on a hike with the both of you and just give you guys a compass and be like, meet me at the top of the mountain. Oh, good luck. my God. <laughs> are you? <laughs> Blaze, Blaze skeleton. sounds fun. Blaze skeleton. A skeleton with, iron- with an ironic t-shirt and, <laughs> uh, and ugly colored shoes was found six mm-hmm. weeks later. Picked to the bone. Yeah. And just gray hair surrounded it. I would not make it. Well, everyone, thank you for playing along with us. Yeah. Um, our, our, our game book club. This was great. Firewatch, I, I, I do really like the game and would absolutely suggest people play it. Absolutely. Um, just pay attention to this story, I think, maybe, because then it'll it'll pay off. And, and again, I love the controls. Rich Summer was amazing. Um, so yeah, so that was that was fantastic. So a yeah. fun experiment. I can't wait for our next game book. Club. I was going to say, start thinking of what you guys would love to play next time. Next time we do this, I feel like we've uh, we've had a lot of fun with Bioshock Infinite. We've had a lot of fun with Firewatch. So, yeah, noodle noodle on that for a minute. Noodle on that. That's uh noodles. You know, now I'm hungry. I think I, mm-hmm. let's end this podcast and go get something to eat. What do you think? <laughs> you know, <laughs> crickets. That ter- crickets. That was, a, that was a terrible ending. A terrible ending. <laughs> wow. Okay. Can we insert well, crickets? We will see you all. Next week, of course, please give us a good rate and review on Apple Podcasts and follow Good Game Nice Try at Good Game Nice Try on Twitter. And let us know your thoughts. Sifu, virtual reality, Firewatch, so many things to discuss. And we will see you all next week. Good Game Nice Try is produced by Jen Samples and Nick Leal. Our executive producers are Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Engineering by Eduardo Perez, with engineering and sound design by Chester Guazda. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. And a special thanks to Lisa Berm. Music, you know him. John Danik. Put an arrow on the map. <laughs> no. This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 